Hey there, this is Jason and Paul, and we encourage you to follow us on Instagram at stateofloveandtrust underscore pod, where we can continue the conversation with you. Thanks for listening. And now, let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi, and alongside me, as always, is Paul Gillieri. Paul, we're wearing the same shirt. We are. Unbeknownst to either one of us, we are both wearing our shirt, which, if you want one, just reach out to us, and uh, and we'll get one to you. Yeah. How about that? Um, before we get into the episode this week, be sure to get on your podcast of choice wherever you're listening and subscribe, rate, and review the show. That would be lovely. And share this. Share this with your friends. Sharing is caring, Paul. It sure is, my man. We've got to feed the algorithm. That's true. It, gets, uh, it can get a little gnarly when it's hungry. So it's, <laughs> we need help. We need help. No, Every- listen, on a serious note, though, it, actually, it, does, it really does help. Uh, it helps with uh, getting the podcast promoted it helps with with moving it up and, and forward and onward so if you guys rate if if you leave a comment if you leave a review i look i'll be the first to admit this i i understand this is actually asking a lot it doesn't sound like it is but we listen to podcasts and we're on the other end and i'll be the first to admit i have not rated reviewed you know what i mean a- a- every podcast that i listen to uh, to have to sit there and take the time, I completely understand. I respect anybody that's like, yeah, 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 guys, I get it. Uh, but it does, it makes a significant difference. And you know what? I got to say, Jason, it is really incumbent upon us to incentivize our listeners to do this. Well, you know, I, I said, I think last week that uh, I've got a whole bunch of stickers. I know it's not much, but it's something. And um, maybe if you leave a really, 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 really nice one, Um you know, there could be something else involved, perhaps something wearable. I don't know. Yeah. I like that idea. You something know? wearable, something, something, some soft cotton here. Oh, it's, it's real soft. <laughs> it's lovely. All right. All right. Well, I, I, as much as I look forward to you finding a new way to uh, talk about how to feeding the, feeding the algorithm is a good thing uh, every week. We need to get into the episode and you know, we, we've done a lot of lists. We've done a lot of, you know, pick your five for this, pick your five for that kind of thing. You surprised me this week because you said we should find the, kind of like the middle of the catalog. Like, you know, not the ones we, we don't like too much, not the ones we love to the moon and back. What are the ones that kind of sit in the middle that we sort of kind of forget about? They come in the set list and you're like, oh, yeah, that's great. This is cool. But you're already kind of thinking about what the next one could be. Yep. What are those songs? And what are the five songs that you really enjoy out of that group that maybe people ordinarily kind of look past? Um, maybe they're flawed in some way, but you still really enjoy them, um, even if they're not, you know, the top bins, as they say. So that's what we're going to do this week. And this was an, an, an interestingly challenging, interestingly challenging, interesting and challenging um, uh, exercise. Because as it as it is, there's probably more in this category than you would think. So, I, I want to let you go first here, and uh, we can kind of get to our, our honorable mentions at the end or towards the end. 
but I'm curious to see what your first of five songs is from the, you know, meh part of the catalog. Top five meh playlist. Sure. Why not? (laughs) Uh, You know, man, I, I went through the catalog and it goes without saying nothing on 10 makes this list. I would agree. Uh, not, nothing on versus does either. Uh, a lot of people might be surprised to hear that I don't have anything off Vitology either. Uh, I, I'm one of those, uh, th- those proponents of, of Vitology being that, that white album, you know, Pearl Jam's version of the white album. I actually think that everything on there is, is essential for the true context and experience of the album while fully recognizing that there are songs on there that in isolation <laughs> can be quite a challenge for the listener. It's a laborious one at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think within the, the, the greater whole, it's, uh, it's, all, it's all essential. When we get to No Code, however, uh, there's a track on here that, quite frankly, I, I don't mind it. You know, I'll listen to it when it comes on. Eh, if it comes on on a random shuffle, probably would skip it, though. And that song is Habit. I knew it. Yeah. It's just not something that, that really speaks to me. I've never been a, a big fan of the track. I think when it first came out, it was one of my one of my least favorite songs on there. I think Around the Bend at the time took the cake, which ironically is now one of my favorite songs on the album. <laughs> ah, maturity. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a theme here, I think. Indeed. I think with a song like Habit, while I understand the the anti-drug uh, approach that the, the song takes and the frenetic garage rock pace. I can appreciate it. I feel like we're, we're already getting that on Hail Hail anyway. And if you really want to pump pump it up, we've got Lucan on the album too. Not that the song's a throwaway necessarily, but it's very repetitive. And if I'm being honest with you, I feel like they tackle this subject with so much more depth and breadth and nuance later on in their career anyway. So this is this is really kind of a, an early precursor to this kind of thing. And I honestly think that when you, when you consider the amount of loss that many of the band members have experienced over the years, I feel like they needed some time to truly process a lot of this in order to truly write meaningful, lasting songs around this subject. Whereas I feel like Habit was just kind of an exercise to a degree, as opposed to a fully fleshed out, fully realized ambition. So for me, it's, you know, I don't know a lot of people who love Pearl Jam, especially the early years, who would say, oh, that song's terrible. You know, it's not a song that we, you know, we had a a prior playlist, a playlist, pardon me, those those of you listening who have been listening for a while might recall this, where we talked about our least favorite songs. So I think with a song like Habit, it's, it's not necessarily circling the drain for me, but it's definitely a song that I don't necessarily go out of my way to ever listen to. So Habit for me. Okay. I, I totally see that. That makes sense. It was um, it was on my medium list, not short list per se. I think yeah. that the songs that you um, alluded to, them doing a better job of covering the, the addiction part of um, you know this, the, the theme there, um, I think maybe this song was necessary to get to those. Hmm. Kind of like a breakthrough, kind yeah. of had to kind of Probably. hit this yeah. in order to find the more nuanced spaces later as they got older. So, and of course, this this record was kind of, I don't want to say rushed, but from what we've read, um, kind of put together kind of quickly. 
and without uh, everybody's input. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. This is this is definitely a song that that's in the meh area. Um, it's not my choice for my fifth here. My choice here is Thin Air. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, this is that's one surprising. Of those... I adore that song. <laughs> well, see here, for, and maybe I just misunderstood the, the exercise because no, this is. I love the fact. I mean, I think we're gonna we're gonna get a lot about how you and I have a different listening experience with the band. Mm. I think there's a lot of songs that we are consensus completely aligned with, but I also think that there's there's a number of songs in the catalog. A uh, great example, All Those Yesterdays, right? For me, I'm not a fan of that song at all. It's one of my least favorite Pearl Jam songs. Same with Evacuation. Those are not even meh for me, whereas you actually enjoy those songs, right? Mm -hmm. So I, this is kind of an interesting place in the middle for us to mine, mostly yeah. because uh, these are songs that I think both of us are okay with, right? So we're not saying, hey, I would totally kick this song out of bed. You know what I'm saying? But there are going to be songs on here that I think for sure you're going to say, okay, you know, I get why you're saying it's meh, but I actually really like that song. And here's the first one. Thin Air so, for yeah. me, not meh. No, so, yeah, so this is the funny thing is that, again, when we talk about meh, we think these songs are flawed, but we still like them. So they're, they're the for yeah. me these are the these are some of the my favorite songs that that are flawed that live in the middle of the catalog, and so I, I say thin air. You really enjoy the song. I, I like the song too. I just don't think it's top bins. And here's why, uh, as he, he he says because he has to explain his his thought here. Um, <laughs> New love is written about to death, but Stone does so here in such a unique and rare way. And it's beautiful. The metaphors and the imagery for such a common topic are lovely. And the power and emotion behind the acoustic guitars shines through. I love the way that Ed sings this one, especially considering at the time, he felt like he should let Stone sing it. Stone declined, and Ed was essentially forced to sing a song about a relationship he hadn't lived in nearly two decades. Because at the time, he was still with Beth. And they were together for, I don't know, 18, 17 years. So what we get is this beautiful song that doesn't quite get into brilliant territory for me, but it's just really, really nice. So I've always kind of liked this song, but I knew that it, it didn't kind of get to the the top portion of the catalog. Cool. I can hear that. I, 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 I'll be the first to admit that Thin Air, it's a bit of an acquired taste. Yes. I, I, I can see how some Pearl Jam fans might, might say, eh, you know, I, I could do with it, but I could very easily do without it too. What do you got next? I'm going to yield. I'm actually proceeding through the catalog in sequential order here, and I'm going to uh, take a pit stop with Pilot, my friend. Okay. Uh, this, this is a song that has just, it, it has never truly aged for me, for better or worse. It just, when I first heard it, I thought it was meh, and I, it has not gotten much better over the years for me at all. Uh, I understand I think part of it is the missed opportunity for me. I, I th it's a fascinating story when you think about the conception of this composition as a song that kind of stems from a dream that Jeff had, where he's quoted as saying that pilot for him was the question. And that was the question he was asking, I should say. And low light was the answer. So I, I love this idea of there being a relationship between tracks, almost in the same way that the Mama Son trilogy kind of has a narrative built around it. But Jeff's songwriting is so, I don't, it's esoteric, it's not the right word, but there, it's, there's so much ambiguity to it, which I think sometimes works very, very well. And it, it's a beautiful expressionistic painting. 
other times I feel like it's it's just kind of a, a very difficult, borderline indecipherable mess is, 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 is not the right word. It's more of a uh, collage, I guess, just kind of a difficult to decipher collage. And I'm not afraid to work, you know what I mean? I mean, it, <laughs> this is coming from the guy who, who, who loves Vitalogy here. So with a song like Pilot though, just sonically, musically, I don't find it very catchy. I think I, it was promising. I love the opening notes and the verse. And then as soon as they hit into that chorus, it's just, it, it it's so flat to me. It's just a, a kind of a whiny, flat, just kind of drone. And it just, just kind of disappears into the ether for me. It, it, it really anchors the song down to meh. And I, I feel like... Uh, there is, a, like I said, a missed opportunity in the sense that it's rooted in this whole fictional quote from this Mikhail Bulgakov book, The Master and the Margarita, mm -hmm. that I guess Jeff was reading at the time. And I think that there's a really interesting thing happening here, but there's so many layers of meaning that to me, I don't think in this composition you're really truly going to actualize so much of that by not really expanding the bandwidth of what we're trying to do here. I think if, if you took what he was trying to do and you really strung this thing out and it's just something closer in length to something like, um, uh, oh God, I don't know, like, uh, parting ways maybe. Right, something that's just a little bit longer in length that really just kind of lets it breathe a bit. And I'm not saying the lyrics have to be on the nose, but I do think that there's so many layers here that don't truly get explored in ways that are tangible for me. So it ends up just being kind of like a, a fanciful um, kind of just, it, it, there's a whimsical nature to it that, that while I appreciate it, I, I can kind of hang with it. I also wish for a lot more. You know what I mean? It's it's like a rabbit hole that I want to go down with Jeff that he's not letting me. And so for for for, for all intents and purposes, it just never really has ever graduated beyond this phase for me. So what you're saying is you're you're a cat person. No, man. I hate cats. I'm a dog guy all the way through. Well, like pilot, you have a dog. Yeah, well, yeah the difference is I actually really enjoy my talk. Okay. All right. <laughs> this particular song here, I could, I could, I could do without it uh, most of the time, but when it, when, when it's on, it's like, I don't go out on my way to skip it or anything like that. I've always had an affinity toward this song, but I've always recognized that it's not close to the top uh, of their catalog. Um, I don't know why. Maybe, maybe the jangly chorus with the, with the backing vocals off to the side and the, the uh, obeys, listens, kisses, loves. I don't know. There's something kind of quirky about that that always made me kind of smile, <laughs> uh, even if it's silly. And yeah, I hear you. I think the I think the before and after of the of this with low light is such a cool concept. And there's almost just too much code, to Jeff code, I should say. Yeah, not yeah, enough. I, I want him to. I want him to go like inside job route. You know, I, I like like draw this thing out, but like <clears throat> give us something to work with. You know, yeah. and it, because there's a lot there, you know, there's a lot happening in the genesis of this track, but anyway. So next I'm going to go with Undone. Oh. For a song written during the Bush years, it really does resonate today. I used to think that the music was kind of stuck in second gear 
but it's grown on me, especially as it gets to the chorus with the backing vocals. It's still sort of stuck in second gear, but I can appreciate the dynamics it offers more now. Sometimes the lyrics are a little on the nose, but it's, in this moment, really poignant. All this hope and nowhere to go is how a lot of us feel right now in this country. We rode, and I say we, you know, the um, maybe the, the, the left to center people or the center and left people um, rode a wave into the Senate and the presidency a couple years ago. And, and while there's a lot to caveat our current situation, there's plenty to criticize and be frustrated by. And of course, the alternate reality is an unfathomable hell. So maybe it's not so bad, but still. This song just does a great job of kind of hitting that note. And even if it isn't the best version of this theme, it does a nice job of it. And I think the, the, the whole outro is really cool. And the backing vocals just kind of I keep coming back to the backing vocals being very strong. So not an amazing song, but I really enjoy it for what it is, especially in the context of now. So I'm, I'm going to go with Undone here. Very cool. What are you going with next? Heading to Binaural. I have a grievance with grievance. <gasps> no. Yeah. Oh no. My, the first I, song I'm I'm disagreeing with you on. I I I understand. I mean, I I want to say the performance of this was nominated for a Grammy, was it not? Hmm. I don't know. No, I have to go back and check this. But uh, it's about technology and how technology has gone astray. You know, Eddie says uh, I'm going to quote him here. It just went into the wrong direction. Instead of helping us and freeing us, it seems to enslave us. That's what I talk about in Grievance, about the dangers and what a lot of people don't see or don't want to see. There's the line for every tool they lend us, a loss of independence, and it's true. Everything happens so fast, the technology is supposed to make everything simple and easy. It tries to make us believe that it's some sort of freedom we have. Of course it's easy and comfortable if you can do all your shopping via the internet, which many of us do, uh, if you don't need to leave the house to do anything. But on the other hand, what is going to happen? You lose touch with people, et cetera, et cetera. Big fan of the messaging, the signaling. Uh, I just think as, as a musical composition, while the lyrics, I think, really resonate with me in a lot of ways, the music has never caught on with me. Oh, um, that whole outro I, uh, is amazing. I appreciate it. I do. Again, it's, it's not a song that I think is bad by any means right it, it's not a song that you know you always cite Olay as, as the barometer oh, for, for you know where's the bottom of the barrel well yep. I'm not putting this song anywhere near there uh, I I enjoy it for the most part but in moderation and uh, in a very kind of muted way it's, hmm. it's just not a song that really stands out to me it's it's very forgettable in a lot of ways um, <sighs> it's just kind of the definition of meh on that album for me wow. so I'm gonna go with unbelievable that whole outro chord progression is fantastic. Have a drink, drink, have a drink. And by the way, there's two performances that I, I will pull out that I think are fantastic. One is live on David Letterman. And two is Saratoga Springs, New York, which I believe might have been our, our choice for live it, cut. I think it was, yeah. So uh, I've always really enjoyed that song. But anyways, fine, fine, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to jump over to Yield, and I'm going to go with Push Me, Pull Me. It's so weird, it'll never get into the really good bin for me, okay. but weird enough to be deliciously interesting. Mm. 
This is maybe the ultimate headphones song in the catalog. There is so much going on around Ed's spoken wordish singing that it takes multiple listens to just hear everything that's going on. But what's really cool is the theme here. To welcome the mortality of man, to acknowledge our, our insignificance, and with welcome arms is something that truly cannot be properly dissected in under three minutes. But here it's okay. For this seemingly meh song, it's okay because it's all about Ed's tone. He is assured, whimsical, a little bit snarky, and ready for whatever the earth has in store for him. And this is actually a very heavy topic in the strange way in which the band approaches this topic means it slots in perfectly as one of those kind of middle of the road Pearl Jam songs. But it does so with such a high amount of headroom, if I can borrow a like an amplifier term. So like the promise is there and what they're talking about is very important to me. And I love that they've broached it in such an interesting and an odd way. But it is so odd that it's kind of hard to come back to over and over again. Um, so for that, it's never kind of gotten to the space that it needs to for what the, what the themes are. So I used to hate it because of how weird it was, and I've kind of grown to really appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's a, I think it's a really lovely song for the, uh, the middle of the road. Do you disagree? No, I mean, I like the spoken word stuff. I've always been, uh, oh, I shouldn't say always. There was a time where it was extremely, just a big turn off for me when I was much, much younger. But now I really appreciate it. I go back now and I, I actually look forward to hearing that song. Um, Riot Act mm-hmm. is, it, it, there are probably listeners that would say I, you could have revolved all five songs around this one album. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, that said, there are a lot of songs on here that have aged better for me. Yes. Okay, So there are songs that did agree. not really strike a chord. Songs like Get Right and Ghost, uh, and even in a much more marginalized way, Help Help, uh, that over time, I've come to appreciate and enjoy more. There are songs that I, I don't like really at all very much, like Bush Leaguer. I mean, that's, that's, that one just doesn't really stand out for me. Um, I know there's some spoken word elements there, but I just don't think it's that, that musically interesting. There is one song on here, though, that has not succeeded in getting better with time in any way, shape, or form. Hasn't gotten worse either. It, I, I, much like Grievance, I view it the same way today as I did when I first heard this album when it dropped in the early 2000s. And that song is Save You. Really? Yeah. This is on the Greatest Hits album. And I, to me, it feels just shoehorned in. It's like, well, we got to put something on uh, Riot Act and slip it in. You know what I'm saying? I don't think it's nearly the best song on Riot Act. I think uh, it's very meh to me. Uh, okay, we're not we're not choosing overrated though. So what what is meh no, about it, this? Because uh, when we broke it down lyrically, we realized that there was more to this than we thought. I think we did agree, and so I, I appreciate that's why to me. It, okay, we agreed that it was overrated. I think we both had it as our over Correct. under song. Okay, when we did Riot Act, however. While I've come to appreciate and respect what they're trying to do with the song, I think much like with a song like Habit, I just feel that there are songs that have come out more recently that tackle a similar subject matter in a far more exemplary fashion. And I feel as though Save You is kind of like a a bridge between Habit and a song like, I don't know, Comes Then Goes, you know what I mean? Or or some of the stuff that we're getting on Earthling. Hmm. 
um, you know, Brother of the Cloud, for example. Okay, there's just something in Save You that, as as in terms of music, the, the sonic quality of it, it just it, it's it's a one note song. It just doesn't really ever seem to carry any gravity to it, and I've it's it's never been an overly attractive song to me. So why? I can under I can appreciate it. You know, again, I'm not saying it's a bad song or a terrible song or you know, one of my least favorite songs, but it, it, it's definitely in that that kind of meh tier where mm. it's on. I'm like, eh, eh, whatever. You know, save you. <laughs> Interesting. I've um, I've always kind of thought it was kind of a. Uh, I would put it in in the meh category for sure, but I've always thought the music is interesting enough in in that it's. It's kind of that punk rocky sort of thing. Um, I, I like the main. But it, it's itself. it's just dirty though. It's not. It's like very um, like muddy water quality to it. It's not punk rocky in a super blood wolf moon kind of way. You know what I mean? There's just uh, it just feels so your problem, very. Your problems with it, with how the guitars sound? What, it's not so much. I mean, the production doesn't help in the same way that the production on a song like Life Wasted in the I mean, original the whole album mixing didn't like help. That, so. it, it does, but there, there's some dynamic qualities to the album as well. I mean, you, you, you listen to a song like Crop Duster or Love Boat Captain, uh, obviously Ark, All or None. I mean, there, there's even Green Disease. There's some harmony on there, but Save You just doesn't really have much of any of that. I mean, it just, you, you, you can bob your head to it, you know, it kind of rocks, but it just rocks because it's hard and it's fast. You know? <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. Right. It, to to yeah. me, it's just an it's just an older version, or I should say, younger. You know what I mean? Version of habit to me. I hear what you're saying, but I don't totally agree. Totally fair. So, uh, I will say, somehow, I don't know how this happened. I don't have any songs from Riot Act here. However, wow. there is a song from the era that's next, and for me, that's Man of the Hour. I, I thought about that one. Yeah, th- there was a long time where I didn't like this one kind of period. It was too slow, too dull, too first gear, and not in a good way like uh, like a drifting where it comes and goes, kind of just sits there in first gear and does its thing. Um, but as I've grown older, I've come to appreciate the way Ed balances the lyrics about the death of a father. To, to be too on the nose would be cheesy, especially considering the music. To be too obtuse would feel pretentious, again, considering the music. So he had to get this one just right. And nearly 20 years later, I think that he did. The first verse is a perfect example why. And here, here it is. Tidal waves don't beg forgiveness, crashed in on their way. Father, he enjoyed collisions. Others walked away. A snowflake falls in May. And the doors are open now as the bells are ringing out because the man of the hour is taking his final bow. Goodbye for now. That's poetry, man. It's it, it finds a, a nice little spot to sit in. It's on a soundtrack. It's on a soundtrack. Um, and we got it as a single in 03 or 04. Mm-hmm. Another song by the band that I'm not sure is even in their top half of their catalog and quality. But what's within it has aged better than I had hoped. It's a lovely elegy that I hope I don't have to sympathize with for a long time. And I But I think it's it's one of these songs that... I don't know that I need to hear it live. I don't think I've ever heard it, to be honest with you. I, I have to check the old Stat Tracker app or Live Footsteps to know for sure. But I don't need to hear it again if I did. Um, but that said, if it comes on in the course of a shuffle, I go, yeah, this is this is pretty nice. This is nice. But that's it. 
You know what I mean? Here you go. All right. We're at, we've done four. There's only one spot left, Paul. And I can tell you looking at my well, I got two honorable mentions behind it. But Okay. All right. Because I'm, I'm looking at a, at a list of like 12 to 15 songs here. And there's probably, you know. Uh, well, anyways, go ahead and um, give me your final of the five. I'm going to go big wave. Ooh. I'm going to say right now, that was a tough tough choice to cut out it was it's an honorable mention for me but i want to hear why you have it in your five uh look <laughs> there's a lot of aquatic songs in the pearl water you know surfing the <laughs> waves being at one with the sea the ocean what have you this one just feels uh pretentious is not the right word i think just underwhelming it's just underwhelming. I mean, it, it, a song like Oceans or even Amongst the Waves, which which will show up on the next album after this one, beautiful compositions, great compositions. This just feels, it's not that they're mailing it in, uh, but it, it, there's really nothing strong about it at all. I used to be crustacean in an underwater nation. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is bordering on like, uh, you know, whale song territory. You know, like we're, we're just kind of, you know, having fun with uh, you know, Sweet Lou. I mean, it, it's it's really, it's not that much further along the spectrum of, of mature songwriting, I think, than, than some of those other tracks, or at least lyrically, for Eddie. Uh, it just... I'm you know sorry, how man. you know how they do in March, it's March Madness time for all those of you in, in the United States who followed, followed college basketball, it's March Madness time. And there's a thing called um, first four in last four out kind of thing and it refers to the teams that are on the bubble and it feels like when they were writing the songs for avocado this was like the last one in it's like we need we need one more track what do we got yeah i'll bring this guy in cool i think it's one of those songs that um musically i think there's some fun some some fun riffage here uh i i really enjoy the pre-chorus to the chorus from a from a, a vocal melody point of view there's a little bit of a snarl there, which I like. But yeah, I mean, the lyrics themselves. Okay, cool. He's talking about uh, appreciating the fact of where, where humans, human beings came from and the fact that now we get to be so evolved that we get to surf and, and, and enjoy and appreciate the ocean that way. Okay, great. A surfing song. Uh, cool. But how he got there is, is pretty uh, one-dimensional and, and the metaphors aren't exactly uh, thrilling. So I'm there with you. Um, I'm basically giving my my reasoning for for being in my honorable mentions. It almost cracked cracked the code here. I think I'm going to surprise you though with my choice. You mentioned at the very top that there are no songs from Ten that are that are applicable. Of course, hundred percent. I'm with you. However, I do have a song from Verses here. Oh, is it? Can I take a guess? You can. Glorified G. You are correct. Yeah. Glorified G. And, and by the way, when I was kind of doing this, I, I, I sort of put them in an order from like my, you know, fifth favorite of the Met to my favorite of the Met. Mm-hmm. So this one is hard. I, this song, I acknowledge is the weakest on the on the album. Uh, some might say it's rats, but I think there's something more to rats. I like than, rats a lot. actually. No, I love I, I like rats a lot, too. Yeah. And by the way, I, I like this song a lot. I just think that there's something about 
how the song was written that that puts it just below kind of the rest of the album and just below the best songs in the catalog and it's probably a reason why it hasn't been played all that much uh it's probably one of my favorite songs musically of the middle section of the catalog the whole last chorus to outro bridge to outro solo is really really strong though, and that's why it's sitting where it's at for me i like the snark in the lyrics as well uh, even if most of the actual words are a bit on the nose and trite i like this song like i like punk songs it's all about the attitude and when i listen to this one it's not so much about the literal lyrics at his singing but the point he's making and how i feel about that point add to that a really powerful back end of the song and a really interesting baseline progression to complement a mucky face melter and you've got a song while not great not top bins compared to the, the the best of the best is really really a good time and if only i could sing like this now than he did then you know it's a different story when it comes to, to playing it live now which is probably another reason why he hasn't played that much live anymore so maybe you'll disagree with me maybe you'll say it's it, it is in the in the top region and not applicable for this but i feel like enough people in our conversations and, and just between us on this show have mentioned that there are a lot of there are some warts on this song and i acknowledge that but i have to pay some pay a shout out to the fact that even though it has those warts it's it's pretty damn strong i can go with that no i mean it's i would say of all the songs on verses that's definitely the closest to what i would qualify as man mm-hmm. for sure i'll give you that all right well a few more that um were that didn't make quite make the cut i mentioned big wave um mm-hmm. get right Dirty Frank, Parachutes, Gonna See My Friend, Getaway. Oh, I like Parachutes. Really? I, it's still meh for me. Getaway? Wow. Getaway, okay. getaway is meh. Yeah, Getaway is kind of... It's, uh. I, I, again, these are all songs that are kind of meh, but I enjoy. So I'm not going to fight you on any of them. Mm. Um, uh, I mentioned Rats. Um, I think Leatherman, You, Black, Red, Yellow. Um, I had Pilot on here, Get Right. I think they're all kind I'll of... I'll go Black, Red, Yellow world. for sure. You know, they, they, they live in this kind of world where it's like, I enjoy it, but it's not, it's never going to be, you know, we will get to a show eventually where we say, you've got 30 songs to make a set list. And that's the only song, set list you'll ever see again. What's on that? And sorry, none of these songs are making that. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at. Um, anything else hey. you want to get on from honorable mentions? Uh, I mean, I, I've got some of them too. You know, I mean, there, there's, um, I think that, it's funny how I don't think I'd pick anything off of Gigaton right now. It just, it, it, I got a, I'm which is you. actually, it's a great encouraging sign about the trajectory of where the band's headed. Uh, but just kind of plowing through past Avocado into Backspacer, Johnny Guitar and Gonna See My mm. Friend are very much the definition of meh to me these days. Yeah. Uh, I'd say on an album, like lightning bolt uh, this one's tricky my father's son for sure i mean i i think i appreciate it more now than, than I, when i first heard it i didn't like it at all if i'm being honest with you let the records play the definition of meh for me actually it was between that and big wave were were the last really two. see i think those two those two are on the bottom half of the man like I, they wouldn't even approach my favorites yeah, well they're not yeah they're not i mean they're on the bottom half of this meh tier for me as well i think that 
I do like blues. So I think with the song like Let the Records Play, it, it is kind of a cool kind of bluesy riff mm-hmm. that, that just kind of carries mm-hmm. it. Um, and I think we had a conversation in depth about how maybe there's a little bit more going on there than uh, maybe we gave it gave it credit for for a yeah. while. No, that's true. That's um, true. You know, but uh, but I would say for sure those songs. Um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff off of uh, off of Lost Dogs as well that I think you know there's a reason that they're <laughs> they're Lost Dogs. You know, that, that is you, true. You mentioned a, a ton of them. Song like you. Uh, Leatherman, I, th- I think, yeah, Leather Leatherman probably. Hitchhiker, um, Hitchhiker, you know, Sweet. I mean, some of them, I like Sweet Lou. I just don't enjoy. I mean, if they play it live, I just, I appreciate the novelty of it, like we heard at Ohana. But yeah, I think you know, a song like Black, Red, Yellow definitely qualifies as as meh as well. Well, let's go ahead and get into our, uh, you know, let's, let's do our, uh, the next bit here. And by the way, before we get into the next bit, I want to make sure that you guys are sending us your choices for your your favorite meh songs it's kind of a weird uh cognitive dissonance it's songs that you that you really enjoy but you recognize are not the highest quality songs in the catalog so have a stew on that and let us know what you guys think and now we'll get to our lyric of the week oh we are so coy sometimes paul we said the song a few times it's not on a record but it's from the no code sessions and it's black, red, yellow. Exponentially serving, perpetually unnerving. Vehicle swerving. The adjectives, they are all a blurring. Freud walking the sidelines, the door, scoring the brain. Paul, I'm going to be honest. Even though I know this was written about, in some capacity, the Chicago Bulls, I have no idea what this song is really about. He's talking about Phil Jackson here, Michael Jordan, the back half of the lyrics that that we picked out. But I'm at a total loss with this one, which is funny because I think the song as a whole is fun as far as, you know, the, the, the meh songs are concerned. Um, we didn't even include the, uh, the weird Dennis Rodman voicemail message in the interlude. Uh, can you help me here? What, what is, what is the, what is this song about? Man, it's really strange. <laughs> it is. Uh, Hormones going yeah. off like Roman candles. Like what's going on here? I mean, there's some Rodman references, some Jordan references. It's a very, it's just a, a silly exercise for them in the same way Sweet Lou was in the song like Whale Song. Um, there, there is a reference though. What is it? Was it the Ramones? There, there's a similar song out there that in some ways this was an homage to, I think. Uh, Within the lyrics? No, no. Like the song title. Oh. Well, black and red are the bulls. Yellow, I don't know. No, no, no. no. The, the, the references to, to the basketball teams and franchises and players, that I understand. Uh, but there was a, a song. I don't know if it was by the Ramones or uh, the Who or the Sex Pistols. There's a song out there that this one is, is kind of pseudo-referencing in some way, at least in its, in its title. 
and it's evading me right now. I should know this. I used to know this. Anyway, um, I, I'm not, I don't have a particular affinity for this song. <laughs> I think that when you look at these, these lyrics here, I think what intrigues me about them is that with a song like Sweet Lou, with a song like Whale Song, with some of these other silly workshops that they have, it's very obvious what they're doing. And you just, you know, just kind of either go with it or don't. Yeah. This one, there's just enough, enough ambiguity to it <laughs> that I think that that it allows it to kind of be a bit more of a conversation piece than than maybe it deserves to be. I don't know. Um, so I think with these particular lyrics here, I've always found this this kind of investigation into um, what it could be about versus what it likely is or or may be about or, or what we want it to be about. That alone, I thought was was worthy of conversation and for that reason i figured let's just talk about these lyrics for a bit in the song and 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 what better apropos time than during uh our our celebration of meh (laughs) yeah it's definitely uh well guys we have to hit every single song so eventually it was going to come up anyways um it i have to it has to be more than just talking about the bulls like what? What do what do the Bulls represent? What does Phil Jackson? What does Michael Jordan? What does Dennis Rodman? What do they represent? Exponentially serving, perpetually unnerving, vehicle swerving, the adjectives—they all are blurring. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I'm so confused. And yet, I love the vocal melody in the chorus. Hormones firing. It just—it just—it just sounds fun and cool, but I don't get the point of the song. I don't get it. Isn't that weird? That's the reason why I was kind of curious, you know. Somebody out there, thinking, we should probably talk about this one of these days. Uh, it, it is out there. That that's the thing, but it's not. Um, it's not something that I believe needs to be this cryptic. You know what I mean? It's just it. That's what I think I appreciate about a song like Sweet Lou. It's not that. I mean, it's very much just in your face. All we know times. what it is. Yes. Uh, we know we know exactly what it is. This is not something to me that needs to be this cryptic. I, I I don't know why it is that the band opted to kind of go this route. Um, it's a very very bizarre approach to to something like this. I I don't understand the need to kind of go in that that to kind of go that route. I mean, it, it's uh the ver- I think there's a version on lost dogs it's longer than the one on the hail hail single if i recall oh i think you did uh, i think you recorded the vocals for sure yeah i know but it's it's um i cannot remember it's you're right it is an alternate it is an alternate cut and i believe it is about rodman obviously given the cameo that he has on the track yeah. but i mean he played he played with jordan as well so i mean the, there's that going on too i don't know man it's it's just a it, it's 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 needlessly vague <laughs> that's exactly what it is needlessly vague black magic venti trace makes me sane yeah i mean i guess we all love michael jordan but like what <laughs> i don't know it, it's it's does so anybody do you, anybody out there do you guys know what the hell this is about beyond just the bulls and jordan and Rodman? like does anybody know let, let, let me know. Let us know. Cause I'm, I'm in a loss still, still oddly enjoy the music. Uh, I don't, whatever. I don't know. 
All right, let's well, let's let's go ahead and find the best version of this song. It's only been played seven times, so uh, tons of listening for you, Paul. Let's get to our live cut of the week. Ready to stand up. Okay, like I said, not very many choices here. What's it going to be? We're going to Adams Field House in Missoula. <laughs> oh, when? August 29th, 2005. Here's another one that I believe has only been played once before, if that uh, interests anybody. But uh, it's written about uh, six human beings, six extraordinary human beings uh, that work together as a team. And uh, this one was at the top of the mountain. He happens to be here tonight. This song's called Black, Red, and Yellow. Exponentially serving, perpetually unnerving. The uncle swerving, the adjectives they are all blurring. Freud walking the sidelines, clipboard, scoring the brain. It's all that's left of my leg Black and red and yellow comes to mind when i think of the song is the wrigley field one because it was on the it was on the blu-ray right um and he and you know he went on rodman's shoulders to sing it but you've chosen oh five which is actually the third ever playing of it he says in the track second ever but it's the third ever time mm-hmm. they played it uh out of seven bit of swagger to this one i like that and, and it's voice a little bit of snarl maybe even a little arrogance to it which is kind of fun Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little loosey goosey and in interlude, 
but you know, it's been played seven times and they hadn't played it for 254 shows when they did in Missoula that night. Why did you like this one? The Wrigley one for a while had been my, my, my choice for best cut, but the more I thought about it, the more it felt just too canned. It just mm. felt like, you know, um, yeah, let's get Rodman out. It, it's almost like the production value uh, and the context around it demand that that's what was making me say well, too this obvious. Is the best version. It was too, it's not that it was too obvious. It was just, I think I enjoyed the Rodman's presence and the, the ambiance and the, uh, the this the context of where the song was being played as opposed to the actual performance itself right whereas i feel like with, with this particular version i think with that version and wrigley they were they were more concerned with how cool it's going to be when dennis comes up than they were with let's make this sound interesting and cool and i feel like the missoula version dennis was not coming on stage so that it was a conscious choice let's play this song here of all places like <laughs> let's play this song here and there's just a certain level of purpose and intention that was rooted in the delivery of the song as opposed to who would be sharing the stage with them. Mm. And I think that comes through in the music. So if I had to be objective and I did not, if, if I didn't know, like if I didn't get to, if you just play the two versions and I had no idea where they were being played yeah, or the surrounding story of those performances, I would objectively probably pick the Missoula version 10 times out of 10 well, there you for go. me. And that's why I went in this direction. All right. I like it. I like it. Uh, what do you guys think? Have you guys listened to all seven versions of this song? Live? Yes. No. Maybe. Do you not care because you don't care about this song? Well, this is the Met episode, so that would be right on, right on brand. Um, that's the show, guys. It's a quickie this week. And I want to say that we are closing in on our centennial episode. There may or may not be a guest, special guest involved. Uh, in that show we're just two weeks away from that but uh, you know there's still they call it a trap game Paul we still have episode 99 to get to and we can't overlook it because it'll beat us if we do I do not think anything we do on this show is a trap unless it's a trap door in immortality in which case we have a lot to talk about maybe that should be the, uh, the lyric of the week Either and I might have to I, I have thought about it for about the last month I've it's, circled around that song like I'll tell a you what. and I've been like am I going to do it this week am I e- and I, I haven't guys I've mentioned it before we have a we have a google sheet that has every song in the catalog we try and really bounce around evenly there are still some songs that are just top bin just chef's kiss that we have not touched yet that's one of them it may be coming up soon because eventually we're going to run out of songs. <laughs> so <laughs> come back next week for episode 99 and uh, and find out together with us if that's what we're talking about or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? Thank you again for listening. Thank you again for sharing this with your friends, with your Pearl Jam nerd friends as we all are. And uh, thank you for rating, reviewing, and subscribing if you did. And if you did, take a screenshot, send it to us. We'll send you some stuff. And uh, we'll see you next week. And until we do, you've been listening to The State of Love and trust.